Hi, I'm Life Coach Mama, a life coach for moms who want to find more joy and more peace in their marriage and in their parenting. My husband and I have eight kids. We love having a big family and often hear the phrase, you've got your hands full. Come and join me as I interview moms of all ages and in all stages from around the world. Be encouraged, find inspiration and confidence that you can handle another kid. And if this is a topic that interests you, please check out my book, Have Another Kid Without Losing It. Available for purchase today on Amazon by Lauren Laboda. Hey friends, Lauren back here with Got Your Hands Full podcast. I have a medical expert <laughs> on the show today, yeah. my friend, Laura. Uh, again, just like most guests, we have a mutual friend. Got to know each other through our friend, Father Patrick. Uh, Laura has done quite a bit of mission, ministry, work with Catholic organizations, and has been involved with a lot that our friend, Father Patrick, is involved in as well. She was willing to drive all the way from Columbus. Yeah. And has so much information that uh, we're going to do at least two episodes here today. Okay. So here we go. It's exciting. Um, Laura is a labor and delivery nurse Mm -hmm. in Columbus, among many other things, but I'll let her give a little background about her life. Yeah. So um, like Lauren said, my name's Laura. I grew up in Columbus, lived there most of my life, Uh, went to nursing school at Capital University. Um, It was cool. It's one of those moments that I like ever since second grade knew what I wanted to do. Mm. Um, and never really knew a reason why I just was like, yeah, I'm going to be a nurse. Mm. Um, until high school when people started asking me why I was going to be a nurse. And I was like, huh, it's a great question. (laughs) It's just like one, been one of those moments that I've always known. Um, Mm. so thinking into that a little bit, um, it was just like a cool process of realizing that you just get the opportunity to be with people on the best days of their life and the worst days of their life. And like every emotion in between, um, so getting to just serve them in that and their families in that mm-hmm. um, has always been a desire of mine, which was cool. Uh, yeah. So did nursing school. It's beautiful. Thanks. Um, graduated from there and I moved to Omaha, Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Um, just felt really called to be there. Um, studied a little bit of natural family planning there uh, and also worked full time at a hospital. So uh, my hospital experience has been, gosh, eight, probably eight and a half years of like general medicine. Okay. Uh, so kind of anything and everything, mm-hmm. um, which was fun, but labor and delivery was what I always knew I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you get comfortable where you are sometimes and mm-hmm. I knew what I was doing having been there for eight years. And so, uh, the thought of moving somewhere that I hadn't done anything since school with, yeah. uh, was a little overwhelming. Uh, but thankfully I had a really great uh, assistant manager who was a really good friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and every year in like our yearly reviews, they'd be like, okay, like what's a goal? And I was like, well, eventually I want to be in labor and delivery mm-hmm. every single year. And so finally one day he came up to me, he was like, Hey, I met the manager of labor and delivery. I was like, Oh, cool. He goes, yeah, I told her you wanted to shadow an interview. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so it's like that perfect little nudge yeah. I needed to get forward in that direction. Mm-hmm. So I started on labor and delivery. It would have been April of 2020. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would totally be my choice. Yeah, I just, yeah, I don't think I could be a nurse for more than five minutes. (laughs) 
My mom uh, was a nurse. My dad actually went back to school after being in business. Okay. Yeah, in sales and marketing and manufacturing at 59. He okay. went to the local community college. That's and amazing. LPN, and then he worked at the VA for a few years. Okay. My grandma was a labor and delivery nurse. I've heard every story. Yes. From I'm like sure. <laughs> all the decades and history yeah. of labor and delivery nursing. And oh, I'm sure. Worked in a Catholic she's... hospital. She used to baptize all the babies whether they wanted to be or not. <laughs> Yeah, couldn't handle it, honestly. And uh, but labor and delivery, I feel like I could like hold it together. Yeah, like to be able to see a baby being born and be with a woman when she's in labor. Yeah, so it's cool. wild. It's a it's a very um, yeah, it's just like a constant state of just seeing what each specific woman like needs in that moment mm-hmm. um, and getting to like figure that out and discern that and just empower in that way mm-hmm. is really cool. And yeah. then yeah births wild all the time. Ugh. Still well, blows my mind every time. <laughs> I can imagine. So that's really why I wanted to have you on. Because yeah. people are always like, oh my gosh, you must know everything. And it's like, well, okay, hold up. Like <laughs> one was adopted, one, you know, two were a set of twins. Yeah. So I haven't been pregnant that many times. I mean, relatively. And, you know, my body's the same every time and it's pretty much goes the same every time. So yeah. I don't really have a ton of diversity in my sure. birthing stories. And everyone loves to tell their birth story. But instead of interviewing hundreds of women, I'm like, let's interview a labor delivery nurse <laughs> who could tell a million birth stories. Yeah. So how many, like, do you have any idea? I don't know how you would know. But. So I do. Okay. Um, okay. So when I got to labor and delivery, uh-huh. um, it's a fun thing that labor and delivery nurses do. Yeah. Uh, they keep track of the babies they deliver. Oh, I never and, like, knew that. And like, girl. Um, so I do have mine. Let's see. Uh-huh. So That's 2020, so mm-hmm. I started in May. Okay. So I had 58 babies that year. Wow. 36 boys and 22 girls. Oh, wow. And then let's see, last year in 2021, boys and girls. I had 104 babies. Wow. And so these are techn- so these are babies that I like was specifically taking care of the patient when they delivered. Sure. Because I'm um, sure you're because we involved. have another role that I've been in a lot more lately. Um, mm. We call it the baby nurse. And so they're like an extra set of hands that goes to every delivery to help Mm. the nurse who's taking care of that patient. So these are specifically babies that like I've taken care of this mom through labor and they delivered. Um, So yeah, 2021 is 104. We had 47 girls and 57 boys. Mm. More boys. Boys boys keep winning out. (laughs) And so far this year, I've had 26 babies so far this year. Wow. 15 boys and 11 girls. Boys keep winning out. Wow. Yeah. But so I would say then in, in the baby role or the baby nurse role, I have probably been at least to double of that. That's amazing. Yeah. So we had the other night, uh, probably just like a month ago. So I worked 12 hour shifts Mm -hmm. and we had 16 babies in my 12 hour shift Mm. like a month ago. It was a wild, wild night. 16. (laughs) Whoa. <laughs> were you exhausted I was very tired that morning <laughs> wow yeah it's definitely uh I never knew nurses kept track yeah I just asked you like I don't know how you I really had no clue how you yeah. yeah yeah so usually I'll throw in like the date and then just boy girl yeah so okay we have so many questions to ask you <laughs> um let's start with just like basic information what do you feel like people don't no, whether it's a lot of first time people come in mm-hmm. um, and just don't, especially if they're like for an induction. Mm-hmm. So they haven't gone into labor yet on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, they're at a certain point in their pregnancy or there's a medical reason for yeah. us to um, help labor start mm-hmm. um, and to deliver this baby. So I think a lot of times, especially because of movies and TV shows, mm-hmm. like 
everything's a very quick process. Yeah. Um, and that is 110% not the case. Yeah. Uh, especially for first babies. Yeah. Um, I don't know what your experience was, but most first time moms, I try to tell them that we're looking at anywhere between like 20 and 30 hours mm-hmm. before we're going to see a baby. Mm-hmm. And they're surprised. Very. um yeah and sometimes it's like mom's not as surprised but dad tends to be and again it's like or like when we talk about pushing I usually tell all of my first-time moms that first-time moms usually push anywhere between 30 minutes and three hours Mm -hmm. and I like to have our mindset on that three hour mark because then Mm -hmm. anything short of that is a fun surprise right Mm -hmm. but if you have your mindset ready for that three hours of yeah that's good advice marathon running yeah um, (laughs) then it's like yeah it, it helps set the stage for not being like disappointed or feel yeah. like something's wrong if it's taking That's up to that smart. time frame. Yeah. Um, but I think that for sure like shocks people a lot. I bet. Because you know, in the movies it's a push and like there's a kid or it's like yeah. a wild scream and there's a kid. And that's just like a life tip. Things are not like they are in the movies for in sure. any area of in life. Any area of life. <laughs> in any area of life. Yeah. Just so you and know. you know, I think that's the other that leads into the other thing. I think a lot of times um I think it's great to have a birth plan. I think mm. it's great to have desires that yeah. you have for your birth, 100%. Sure. Um, I think it's hard when uh, we are dead set in those desires mm-hmm. and we are dead set in um, what that wants to look like. Um, and a lot of times we confuse like what we want to happen with mm-hmm. what we think is going to happen. Mm. And so um, yeah. while it's great to have desires, just like in life, mm-hmm. it's not always the reality of what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's where a lot of times we as women set ourselves up for failure in this process sure. um, or set us, ourselves up to be open to hearing like a lot of lies mm-hmm. that end up coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's an easy place for those to take root mm-hmm. um, in the sense of, you know, come in. Okay. My desire is for this like unmedicated vaginal delivery and that's how it's going to go. Cause that's, mm-hmm. Especially when, you know, our community and our circle, all the women that we're surrounded by, it's always been their experience. Yeah. When that's all we know, then, like, it makes sense that that's what happens. Of course. And I think I got more passionate and realized this more once I started working in labor and delivery. Mm-hmm. Um, because I that's been my scenario. Mm-hmm. My mom had relatively easy mm-hmm. vaginal deliveries. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all of my cousins have and majority of my friends, too. And so mm-hmm. it wasn't until I started working in labor and delivery that it's that reality that a lot of labors actually end up in like urgent or emergency sections. Mm, yeah. Um, let alone like go according to a birth plan. Right. <laughs> um, and so I think it's great to have a birth plan and things that you desire um, and to advocate for yourself in that way um, mm-hmm. and to make them known to your nurse too, so that, mm-hmm. that she, she or he can advocate for you in that. Sure. Um, but where I think we set ourselves up for failure as women is that, um, we either get like stuck or fixated on that mm-hmm. or we haven't emotionally processed like, okay, where would I be at if this wasn't what happened? Sure. Especially with C-sections. Okay. I think there's a lot of moms that um, I think it sets us up for a harder postpartum mm-hmm. because not only is it typically a traumatic situation because mm-hmm. generally we're doing an emergent or urgency section because something's wrong. Right. right. So um, maybe baby's not tolerating labor or baby's mm-hmm. not tolerating pushing or whatever mm-hmm. it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it tends to be a heightened situation anyway, because mm-hmm. there's a lot of people with a lot of hands trying mm-hmm. to get things done quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so you add that trauma on top of, I like my body failed. Mm -hmm. I wasn't able to do this. Like this is my fault. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of that's where a lot of those lies come in. Mm -hmm. Whereas if 
and like, obviously I haven't tested this myself. <laughs> um, but I think if we were women were to start emotionally process, like, okay, or know the reality that sometimes mm-hmm. a C-section is a viable outcome of a, of a delivery of a labor mm-hmm. and just starting that emotional process with mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of getting yourself in a place of like, okay, I can still be upset by this when it, ha- if it happens mm-hmm. and I can still be like, it can still be hard, mm-hmm. but if you start that emotional process beforehand, mm-hmm. you've like set the groundwork for postpartum when mm-hmm. you're already like overwhelmed, mm-hmm. especially if it's your mm-hmm. first baby or you're mm-hmm. already, you know, hormone, hormones and emotions are everywhere postpartum. Right. Exactly. Um, and so not only navigating how to take care of this like live human that's coming home with me, mm-hmm. right. But also being able to stay in a good emotional state yourself mm-hmm. or stay stable. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's one thing that's kind of like blown my mind that I wouldn't have thought of beforehand is that right. there's a significant amount of situations that end up in the C-section. Yeah. I, yeah. I've, I've definitely known some stories and that wasn't the plan. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's another good life tip to be flexible. Yeah. Right. It's like, <laughs> you okay. can't control so much. Mm-hmm. What I don't know if the average mom or someone not in the medical field, like you knows, like, why is that? Like, why can, why is it that some, like how, what goes wrong? Exactly. Yeah. Like, why can't so I? So what's funny time? about labor? And I think this is another thing that mm-hmm. we don't typically know going into mm-hmm. it is majority of it. It's realistically almost all dependent on the baby. Mm. So, you know, again, things we can control, things we can't control. Mm-hmm. We can't control what that baby's doing. Yeah. There are things we can do to help. Yeah. So some things that happen, like um, sometimes baby like is in a funky position mm-hmm. and not just positioned quite right. And so mm-hmm. a lot as labor and delivery nurse is getting like flipping moms around, getting them in a bunch of funky different positions, mm-hmm. especially when they're like actively laboring. Mm-hmm. Um, and the goal of that is to get baby in the right spot. Mm-hmm. So baby comes down, puts pressure on the cervix, mm-hmm. progresses, and then ideally comes out as well. Yeah. Um, so sometimes it can be a baby positioning thing. Um, sometimes it can be um, like baby gets its umbilical cord mm. just with all the gymnastics it's doing in there. Right. Um, right. Baby gets its umbilical cord in a spot um, that isn't ideal. And so we see mm-hmm. that in the heart rate. So a lot of times when that um, umbilical cord gets pinched off, it's mm-hmm. like cutting all supply to baby. Right. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times it'll happen with a contraction and it'll kind of pinch off for a moment. And so we see the baby's heart rate go down. Mm. Um, but then as that contraction ends, it comes back up. Mm-hmm. So there's things we can do, you know, our goal is not a C-section either. Mm-hmm. That's not, you know, a goal for, um, a patient, especially an emergent one. And so, um, there's a lot of things we can do. And that's a lot of times why we're flipping positions quickly or, mm-hmm. um, giving some extra fluid or, um, different things like that. Um, We can try to position so that that doesn't happen. Um, Another case might be um, sometimes when a mom's water breaks, um, you know, ideally it's the baby's head that's coming down when a mom's water break. Mm. Um, Every now and then uh, the umbilical cord will slip through and that'll Mm. be the first thing that comes out instead of the baby's head. And that's an emergency Mm -hmm. C-section because the cord can't come out first. The baby Mm -hmm. has to. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it is, you know, uh, just anatomically, like mom's pelvis and baby size mm-hmm. don't match. And you can't know that. And you can't know Not that. Like the doctor pushing. can say, oh, look at your yeah. pelvis. Yeah, this exactly. This is what's happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, you know, typically a lot of those moms start pushing or push for, you know, three to four hours and uh, that baby just doesn't make descent. Yeah. 
Um, and so they would end up in a C-section. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, yeah, definitely some variables there that we can't control. Yeah. Um, but there are interventions we can attempt to help with. But yeah. at the end of the day, those kiddos kind of decide what we're doing for mm-hmm. a lot of it, <laughs> whether they're, um, yeah, in a position for it or not. Um, but again, like a lot of times it does go just fine or, yeah, sure. you know, there are certain things like our interventions work and we're able to like continue with labor. And, but yeah. there definitely are those scenarios where that doesn't happen. And, mm-hmm. That's why you're there. Yeah. And doctors yeah. the hospital. And, exactly. And all the technology at the hospital. So you had said birth plan. And I'm just guessing when you said birth plan, speaking of babies, Patch wants to be a part of the You going to talk with us? Yeah. Patch, what do you think about birth plan? You got things to say? <laughs> no, not that you're on the spot. What do you think? I'm guessing birth plan refers to people who want to have a natural birth because you probably don't have. So like not, a, necessarily. Oh, not necessarily. Not okay. necessarily. Yeah. So uh, we have a lot of, Anyone and I think it's a been a a bigger trend to have all of your options. Okay. Um. So we'll, a lot of times we'll have a mom that comes in and mm-hmm. like this is my desired birth plan. Yeah. Or and then like uh, if we were to have a C-section, this is what I would want in okay. that. Yeah. That's um, smart. Or if yeah, if baby was to go to NICU, this is what we would want to try mm-hmm. to do. Mm-hmm. Um, those kinds of things. So they there have been more like all inclusive mm. um, birth plans that I think I've seen more and more. Um, but I think majority of the time, women make a birth plan with the plan being, I'm having a vaginal delivery. Mm-hmm. Sure. And do you see like a trend or something that's more popular in terms of like epidural, no epidural? Um, no, I'd say we're pretty, I would feel like we're pretty split. I would say maybe more like maybe 60, 40, 60, 40 moms get epidurals. Okay. 40% probably don't. Okay. Um, and then, you know, you have your moms that are planning on getting an epidural and then everything happens very quickly and they end up not with one. Yeah. Um, which also takes some processing when that's not your plan. Um, just as like in the reverse, um, as far as your, your plan being an unmedicated delivery and then end up either needing an epidural or yeah. deciding you changed your mind. And uh-huh. It happens in the reverse too. It's like yeah. wanting an epidural and time just doesn't allow it sometimes. Yeah. So those are always um, whirlwinds of, of a situation. For- what would be the fastest and the shortest deliveries? See, well, I had a mom the other night who I started my shift at seven um, and her the last time she was like four centimeters um but you could be for like a month right for sure yeah <laughs> yeah um and we delivered at 7-eleven so oh <laughs> that was a that was a world you know when she- uh we had a mom that we had to go down to the emergency room for and she actually delivered in the wheelchair before we even got her into like in a, the chair yeah into oh my a bay. what um so yeah sometimes these babies decide they're coming and they're coming right now so do you have like a most memorable delivery you did? It's hard to think. I, there's like Gosh, a few that pop to mind. Yeah. Um, one being, you know, I've had been had the joy of being at a couple of friends deliveries mm-hmm. um, or being the nurse for a few friends. And those are always obviously really memorable. Mm-hmm. Um, what about with the babies that you've lost? Yeah, I am. I took care. Yeah, I have one specifically. Um, it's just mm-hmm. a very different moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very interesting because it you know obviously uh no matter what baby you're delivering mm-hmm. um 
it's just such like an individual attention, which is awesome. And getting to see like what each mom needs um, and Mm -hmm. just, you know, kind of figuring out where they're at and how to support them in that way. Um, And I think it's very more obvious with moms who have lost babies and are delivering their loss. Mm -hmm. Um, Cause it's just, you know, every mom deals with that very differently. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's, um, an interesting one to navigate mm-hmm. and one to like that requires almost like a lot of self-discipline mm-hmm. in the sense of like it tends to be a quieter situation to read the room more than you do mm-hmm. I feel like a little bit and so mm-hmm. um, being okay with silence for a while mm-hmm. and until you figure out like not always trying to like fill this void because mm-hmm. you're uncomfortable right oh, I'm, um, sure. I'm sure that they're blessed by your presence and you're attending to them. Yes. I, I had such good experiences every time with the nurses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I mean, I remember even my daughter who's 13, I remember the nurse that stayed up with me, helping me to breastfeed. Yeah. At least that was postpartum nurse. Yeah. But yeah, still, they're she held the baby. Amazing people. She held my daughter on me yeah. and like helped her latch and just like was breastfeeding kind of for me. For sure. With my breast, but she was doing it like. Yeah. Um, she was so helpful. It's like, who else is going to do this in this moment? You know, yeah. I imagine wouldn't know and I wouldn't know. And so grateful for what you do. Thanks. Yeah. It's, it's a gift. Really it's a big, big gift to have, to be able to be there. Have that be my job I get to do every day. Yeah. Is how do you process losing a patient? Yeah. Um, so it depends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it was definitely very different. So I did eight, like I said, I did eight years of general medicine. Mm-hmm. And so those are majority adults. Mm-hmm. Um, so losing a patient then I think was a very different process for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it probably honestly took me my first like four to five years until I actually figured out like mm-hmm. that I needed to process that sure, and how to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of times in medicine, especially in nursing, uh, you know, and in those moments, I'm taking care of five patients. And so mm-hmm. when I lose one, like, it's like really hard. But at the same time, I have four other people I have to take care mm-hmm. of. And so it's this like emotional pull of like, mm-hmm. okay, I like you feel like you don't have time to process that in that mm-hmm. moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're like, okay, we'll, we'll put those aside for a minute. You'll be strong for the family. You'll be strong for the moment. Mm-hmm. And you'll go to your next patient. Mm-hmm. Um, but that obviously like builds up mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it's not healthy or good to keep holding on to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's been an area that I've been like more passionate about as I've gotten into mm-hmm. my career, more of like that being my like drive to new nurses of being like, Hey, like it's okay to need a moment in the moment. Sure. Um, and there's plenty of people that can cover for you for mm-hmm. you to take that. Mm-hmm. Um, so when it was adults, I, uh, there's like one of, four things I usually usually did that helped I'd cry on my drive home and then I just straight to bed kind of thing and Mm. sleep it off sometimes um I would call my cousin Jessica Mm. uh and just like hash out the whole scenario and talk Mm. through it again Mm -hmm. um and sometimes for me it was prayer was big there were some moments that I'm like I just need like to either throw this all down in my journal or mm-hmm. yeah, prayer was a big process for me in that a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And though, even, even with those things, there's, there's that patient every now and then that like that those things aren't cutting there or that scenario every now and then mm-hmm. that those things aren't helping. Um, and so I remember one time that I just felt like, okay, I've tried the things that I usually try that help and, mm-hmm. and it hasn't done that yet. And so like, mm-hmm. what about this is, is hitting me harder or longer. There's moments that, um, it's uh, okay to cry with your patient. Yeah. Um, and I'm not like, 
a blubbering mess crying with my patient. Um, But I think there's those moments that you share that like, it's okay for them to see Mm. tears rolling down your face. It's okay to like, but obviously there's situations where that's not okay. And you like kind of need to keep it together in the moment, which is great. (laughs) I'm okay. I I can also do that. Um, Well, I have 25 more questions. Yeah. But great. we could probably end this episode. Okay. And come back after a short break. Sure. <laughs> oh. All right, friends. We'll be back soon.